Jake, Stan Weber said he will not leave unless he's given the opportunity to wish Mr. Nate Bucati a happy birthday. Stan? I would not leave because I fumbled the last hour and a half without mentioning happy birthday, Nate Bucati. want the whole world to know. I know your family's going to be excited about a Friday uh, with you, but happy birthday, and I'll get out of your hair. Thank you. Appreciate it, Stan. Have a great weekend. Have a safe trip to Cincinnati. Tell people again how old you are. Happy birthday! Say it with pride. I'm 48 years young. He's 48, Never and he's felt feeling better. great. Right? As beautiful as I've ever been. Also, before we get to Gabe, people are asking, because you were a little uh, evasive there, do you or do you not believe in outer space and planets? Do you think there's outer space? Possibly. Do you, Very possible. Do you believe there are other planets? I've never seen any. I, that's fine, but I'm asking I mean, I, you if you believe I there are other like planets. I have. I feel like I feel like Jake's being a little Jake right now because he has told Listen, me in the past. Me. It's a yes or no. Do you believe there's other planets? Maybe. Oh, Jesus Jake once told me that there was that, that Jupiter and Saturn were lining up, no. and that that only happens like on an oh, eight-year cycle. So I guess like somebody that, does that affects planets. things that happen in our cycles. Uh, possibly. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I will say this for Jake. One of my mom's favorite. Lebo. One of my mom's, Lebo. Go ahead. One of my mom's favorite sentences is uh, to be certain is uncomfortable, but to be certain is ridiculous. Yeah, That's right. And maybe you what you're favorite. saying is just, hey, maybe there are other possibilities I think there's there. probably a really will good you, chance. There's a good chance. Will you just, More than likely than not, the planets really are this there. This is podcast material. Will you just tell him? Patrol material. <laughs> well, hey, Seaton in the game. Yarden that. really wants to talk some Missouri basketball Gabe, right now. <laughs> hold on, Gabe. Put, he doesn't. Punch Gabe I don't up. think he does. Gabe, Gabe involved. Sorry. Welcome to this yeah. show, Gabe. <laughs> Gabe, you, you're, you're a part of this now. You're part of the board. There's a question that I saved for you. And, Gabe, if you have an answer to, Jake says nobody ever walked on the moon. And so then why, why do you feel that? that? He said if, if, if they did, why haven't we gone back? So could you answer that? Oh, there are a lot of places I've gone, I mean, I've never gone back to. Gabe, what do you say? Look, if, if you had told me that the intro to this show was going to be one person on here says it is possible the other planets are there. <laughs> it is. I think I'd go with Jay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> can you just is there, can you tell me a reason why the, the man has not returned to the moon? They to went back me? several times. Well, no, he says they, they, they walked on the moon. I, I saw. Yeah. I, I, I watched Tom um, Hanks. <laughs> yes, they did. They hit a golf ball. Time, but like something. There wasn't just one Apollo mission. Right. <laughs> Okay. Here comes Todd with his they, history. They, they, they got up a, and they just put an unmanned thing on his last one. Oh, that looks oh, real. Oh, that Gabe, real. go ahead. Gabe's making a, What were you saying, Gabe? I, I said that'd be a way worse movie if they just got up there and the reason they didn't go was because the moon like wasn't real. It wasn't there. And they just turned around and came back. Right. I mean, I've been to Albuquerque once. I don't plan to ever go back. Me too. I've been there also. But I think it still exists. Right. <laughs> I, saw yeah, it. I, I drove through there one time. I can confirm. It's there. <laughs> All right. Can I leave? If you want. Can I? M-I-Z. Yeah, there we, there <laughs> nope, it is. You got two more hours. There it is. Uh, fellow SEC. There you are. Uh, all right. Losing his, losing his way right out of the Big 12 in every sport, mm-hmm. you know? Gabe, um, <laughs> I don't know. Hey, you know, hey, hey uh, spring football started. How about that? That's good, right? It did. Yeah. Um, spring football is uh, 
less depressing than basketball season, potentially not any more exciting, but um, no, yeah, it's, it's going it's, on. I think it's a lot more exciting. Uh, it, where's this AD at? Any, uh, any new news on the AD search? No, I don't get any sense that this is going to go real quickly. Um, you know, everything, I mean, I haven't heard anything as far as a search firm or all that. It doesn't mean Missouri hasn't hired one, but that usually leaks out somewhere. Uh, they had a meeting of this little uh, athletics oversight committee the other day. Um, I was on there for about two and a half minutes. Uh, they then voted to go into executive session, and we got kicked out, and nobody has any idea what happened. So that's where we're at. Wow. Um one one more question, well, two more about uh, football because uh, that's what I'm I'm trying to avoid basketball. Um, the okay, Sam Horn, who was obviously going to be the backup um, and also plays baseball for Mizzou, had Tommy John surgery, so he will not be the backup. Is Brady Cook's backup on the roster, or do they still have to find one? Yeah, they'll, they'll go in the portal. Um, we've got some, some stuff on, actually, on our message board about that this morning and uh, the first possibility that we've managed to find, and I'll let people go sign up and read it or not, whatever. Um, but uh, they will they will definitely take a transfer. Uh, their, their backups right now are a true freshman and, and two walk-ons, and there's no way they're going into this season. Uh, with that being the situation. Okay, the other uh, topic, and it is relevant because the scouting combine is going on, and a lot of Mizzou players down there, but a lot of focus has been on Darius Robinson. And uh, yesterday, uh, there was a lot of discussion about his relative athletic score, his RAS, uh, because his 40-yard dash was not great. Uh, But it was interesting because the way they have it categorized as a defensive tackle, his RAS score, his athletic score, is tremendous. A nine six four out of a possible ten, and that ranks ranks sixtieth out of one thousand six hundred twenty defensive defensive tackle prospects since nineteen eighty seven. And every, I mean, it's, it's, his size is good. His explosion grades elite. His speed grade is great for defensive tackle. Uh, but then if you put him as an edge, then he doesn't score well. But people have tried to say he's more of a, of a strength player as, a, as, a suppose, as opposed to speed, but he has tremendous explosion. And he talked about this at the, at the Combine. You know, Previously, he'd been over 300 pounds. He played D-tackle. He was down to 285 uh, this year. And so as someone that covered him and that knows him well, uh, and a guy that legitimately could be a, a, a player the Chiefs could be interested in. W- w- what does this tell you about him as a player, and how would you feel about him if you're an NFL team looking for a defensive lineman? Yeah, all that tracks kind of I, – I mean, I thought the 40 might be a little bit faster, but I, I don't know that it much matters. Defensive linemen aren't usually running 40 yards. But, look, he's an elite athlete if you're talking about defensive tackles. He is a – he's not an elite athlete as a defensive end. Um, but he also weighs 30 pounds more than most of those defensive ends. So um, – his his biggest advantage is the versatility, but oftentimes I feel like that costs players in the draft because a lot of teams will look and go, well, we don't know exactly what to do with him. We don't know exactly where to put him. You know, um, 
the, the, the comp I've heard most often is Cameron Jordan. Uh, I believe with, with the Saints for quite a while, obviously a really good player. Um, I, I think he's a good football player. I think he's probably proven enough with his college tape, with his performance at the Senior Bowl, all that, as you know, to to be a first round draft pick, if not a first round pick, certainly early second. But um, we see these guys. There's two kinds of football players, right? The guys that wow you in the drills and stuff like that, but maybe the tape doesn't jump out and, and then the guys who you watch them play football and they're they're really good football players regardless of what any number might say i think uh darius is probably a little more the second type I, just as a chief fan i i don't know if i really see the fit there um i think he's probably best cut out as like a, a three four defensive end or on a team where Hey, they, we want to move you around a little bit and, and play in both spots. I mean, I, he's a great kid. Um, really fun to cover. One of my favorites to cover. Uh, I mean, it would be very cool to see him stay in the state and, and play in Kansas City, but I, I think there might be other places that, that fit him a little better. Hey, one other story that was really popular this week, because we had, we had Gary Dieter and Anthony Sherman in here, campaigner for the Lee Summit North uh, football job. So Jamar Mosey leaves Lee Summit North, and so what does that mean for his son Isaiah Mosey, who's one of the best high school players in the state, how, how does that affect his recruitment? Yeah, I haven't really talked to to anybody around Jamar or Isaiah since that happened. Um, you know, there there were rules in place, I, and I say rules because I don't really know if there are any rules in college sports anymore. So maybe right. you just do whatever you want. But at one point, there were rules about depending on what the job was. If you hired a high school coach, you know, you maybe couldn't recruit. Uh, somebody from that school. I, I don't know if a pre-existing relationship changes that or not. Uh, I'll be interested to see where Isaiah is going to play his senior year in high school because you know UCF is is down in Orlando. Obviously, uh, IMG is is right there. Um, you've got a, a bunch of obviously really good football schools. So it'd be interesting to see if Isaiah goes there. I mean, Missouri and Oregon and Oklahoma have kind of been considered the the most likely places for him. I, I I don't know that I see him going to UCF uh, to follow his dad, but that that's just based on pure like gut reaction on my part. I don't. I haven't really talked to anybody about it. All right, we'll sneak one in here. Uh, Ole Miss at Mizzou, perhaps yep. uh, Mizzou's best last chance to get a conference victory. They. Played uh, very competitively at Ole Miss, only lost by three. Um, is it, will, will Saturday night uh, will it be the magic moment? Here's what's going to happen, guys. It's okay. a home game, That's so right. I think Missouri will start well. Uh, they'll be up six or eight at the under twelve timeout. Get off to a nice start. Go through a four minute scoring drought. Probably trail by about four at halftime. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll fall behind further in the second half. Oh, they'll no. make a run to get it back within one possession, and then they'll lose the game. Um, that, I mean, it's done. It's right in. Last game, I actually predicted it almost perfectly. Uh, look, every game's the same. It, it's a matter of do they jump out in front and blow the lead, or do they fall behind early and make a big run to make it close and still not close? I, I mean, that's what they do every game. 
Well, you know what? Let's watch it. Let's see if Gabe is right. Uh, you don't have to. I well, just told you about it. Yeah. You know what? Okay, then. I won't. <laughs> <laughs> Gabe, thank you for the time. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week. All right, guys. Have a good one. You didn't need much convincing not to watch it, did you? We covered everything there. Everything Man, from the my. moon and planets to football, yeah. the draft, and a little Mizzou basketball. All That's why Gabe DeArmond is one of the best he in the business. He can talk about anything. Uh, let's also talk to Jay Heydrich. Texas State. Jay, uh, good morning. How are you? I'm doing well, guys. How are you doing? Uh, I'm going to force you to be a part of this uh, stupid show. This is a lawyer here uh, we're talking to, so he's going to be able to reason with us. Jay, do you believe that man walked on the moon? Yes, I do. Okay. Jake, your witness. <laughs> I, I'm not denying. I mean, it could have happened. You are denying. Also, you denied not, it 15 just, minutes ago. Convinced. I just, I'm not convinced. Okay. I'm just it, not convinced. This, this, Jake, I'll, I'll ask you the question that I what I use in depositions. There we you go. know, when someone says, "Is it possible? Is it possible that the that the moon landing was faked by the government?" Yes, it is one hundred percent possible. Ooh. Is it also possible that a meteor is going to hit Earth today and all life will end? Yes, oh, no. it is also possible. So let's talk about what's probable here. So, what is the most likely result, Jake? Is man walked on the moon? Okay. Maybe. <laughs> this all started because Texas State prospect Tyler Owens informed the media at the uh, scouting combine that he doesn't believe in space and or other planets, and he feels that flat Earth theories have some valid points. And so, yeah, yeah. yeah well, I wish him the best of luck trying to get drafted. Then. There it is. Uh, all right, now. Let's move on. I don't on. think it's going to hurt him at all. <laughs> I don't think they care. <laughs> Whatever. Can well, you tackle? I kind of, I kind of call me crazy. I kind of want him to see him land in Kansas City. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like that's uh, our next guest I'd, on the show. I'd go hang out with that right, guy. Exactly. Yeah. We'd be friends. <laughs> oh, Jay. Thank you for uh, taking part in that. Now let's uh, move on to the important stuff. We just talked to Stan Weber, who is uh, heading to Cincinnati now as we speak. This is now. Look, it's Stan made a great point. It's not a must win if they, you know, if they were, were to win at Kansas and and you know they got the final home game against Iowa State. But those will be incredibly tough asks to win at Allen Fieldhouse. Uh, they'd have a better chance of winning against Iowa State, but who knows? Iowa State could be playing for the Big Twelve Championship in that final game at Manhattan. So it would, uh, it would, uh, K State would do well to go on the road and win at Cincinnati. How much confidence do you have that they can go and do that on Saturday? I have a lot of confidence. You know, I'm hoping that they can. Uh build on uh, the West Virginia game, particularly the first half of the West Virginia game. That was a game that was up and down and incredibly frustrating in the second half. But, you know, Cincinnati's not anything special. You know, they're 16-12 and 12 on the season. Um, but uh, it's not an incredibly difficult environment to play in. But they're athletic. They're uh, just like every other team in the Big 12. They're they're going to they're gonna guard you, and, and K- K-State has to be disciplined. I feel like a broken record <laughs> to, to, to not not just sit out and, and, and take jump shots like they did in the second half of, of West Virginia. Um, but no, I, I think this is a very, very winnable game for K State, and it's a and it's an opportunity game. The three games they have left are all quad one win potentials. If they get 
two out of those three, then they're at five quad one wins on the season. Um, and and I think on the right side of the bubble heading into the Big 12 tournament, probably have to win a game to uh, to really secure your position. But, you know, uh, I, I think that this is just another opportunity for K-State. And K-State hasn't taken advantage of a lot of these opportunity games, but they need to on Saturday. When they haven't taken advantage of them, has there been a common thread in your mind what it, what it takes for them to uh, to take advantage of such an opportunity? Yeah, you know, they, they've guarded well this year, um, uh, but it just comes down to just lack of execution on offense. And K-State's problem is just long droughts of scoring. They'll go three, four minutes of one field goal or not scoring at all. And it's just tough to overcome good teams in the Big 12 uh, if, if, if you can't score the ball for those uh, for, for that period of time. And, you know, and what Gabe described uh, for Missouri has largely applied to K-State, too. You know, it's they get down, and then they make a run back, and then they make it close. And some of the games they've been able to overcome and some of the games they haven't. Um, they're obviously doing much better in Missouri this year, but uh, it, that, that frustration, that sentiment uh, of lack, lack of consistency – is certainly still there. And, you know, Jerome Tang is 12-0 and 0 in overtime, and that's a, a great stat. But that's going to end at some point. Um, and, and, and Saturday last week shouldn't have been an overtime game at all. And so if, if they win at Cincinnati um, and, and, and pull off a victory, let's say, at home against Iowa State, does that you think that gets them in, or would they have to do more work in Kansas City? I... I think that gets them in. Um, uh, they'd be 500 in conference, and like I said, with five quad one wins, four quad two wins. Uh, I just I can't believe with all the talk on the Big 12 this year about how difficult a conference it is uh, that finishing 500 in the conference with numbers like that uh, would, would would keep you out. But you know we're, we are dealing with the NCAA here, so um, it, who, who knows? Logic a lot of times isn't uh, it, it isn't a part of that conversation. But you know, I, if they really wanted to confirm their spot, you'd like to see them get uh, a win in Kansas City for sure. Right. But uh, the other thing too is that I, you know I'm I'm not writing off the game in Lawrence either. You know, um, with Kevin McCuller out, if he's yeah. if, 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 I think that that's a very winnable game for K State too. Obviously, playing an out field house is a very difficult task and getting away now in Fieldhouse is an even more difficult task. But, um, you know, I, I don't think KU is the same type of team without McCuller. That's called in-your-face Nate Bucati. I believe that's like almost exactly what I right. said earlier today. And it's right back in your face. And, and you're like, wow, jumping off that bandwagon, yeah, You Nate? are. Jay was never on the bandwagon. You were. <clears throat> you know what kind Nate of bandwagon I'm on? Well, what and hold on. I, I also need to point out the obligatory K-State statement that when you play in outfield house, it's five on eight. Yeah, so that's I, it. You know, anytime K-State talk, fan talks about playing in outfield house, you have to say that. It's in, it's in a paperwork somewhere and, for being a K-State fan. And it's Nate, Nate freely admits it. Don't you? Oh, yeah, five on eight, man. One of the best advantages you can have in basketball. That's yep. right. That's exactly. why, <laughs> you know, you know, trying, you prefer it. <laughs> when, when old Hollywood Higgins is that's in Joel right. Self's back pocket, how are you that's supposed right. to win? I mean, yeah. what are you going to do? How does he see the game? I don't get it. He doesn't right. have to. Jay, Technical foul over, on the other team. Over the- Jay, thank you for uh, for attempting to hold Jake's feet to the fire. Not sure it worked, but we appreciate your efforts. Yeah, no problem. I'm going to start driving south, and I'll let you know when I drive off the face of the planet. So yeah, I'll send you guys <laughs> Please call me. Hit, hit the ice wall. It, it, there oh, is there an ice wall? There's an ice is wall. There cell service? Is there cell service down there? Or what tell there's 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 something weird going on in Antarctica. Yeah. Yeah, so that's, well, there's no doubt about that. We'll investigate that. Uh, thank you, Jay. 
right. See you guys. Well, here we go. Speaking about going south, this show. Here we go. Look who, oh, look who's <laughs> next. He'll really, he got to rescue the show now. Yeah. Please welcome Greg Gurley. Texas. Gentlemen, what's you, up? You went in on this or no? I wasn't listening, of course. Well, here we go. Um, <laughs> the answer is no, you don't. No, 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 no. Okay, you're. Welcome. Very, you're, Greg. Don't hang out with me, Greg. Greg, you're like, get, get you're like family out. here. And so whether you want to be or not, then you're brought in on these conversations. And let, me tell you, let me tell you something. Once I ask you these questions, you're going to wish you weren't listening now. Okay, so nope. here we go. I like where this is headed. Yep. Okay, Te- Texas Tech defensive back Tyler Owens at the NFL Scouting Combine was at the podium, and he informed the media that he does not believe in space. He does not believe in other planets and feels that flat earth theories have some valid points. And so we we asked Jake uh, about that because Jake has a unique set of beliefs. And Jake informed us that he does not believe that man walked on the moon. And if they, you know, why haven't they returned? And so, right, you just, you question yeah, it. They haven't been back since 1972. Yeah. Okay. It's like, why, why are we not hanging out on the moon? Right. It, okay. was, it was made in a Hollywood basement. I think probably probably someone like north in Canada somewhere or or in Arizona, but Canada or Arizona, which whichever. Uh, so uh, let's start like there. A weird ball of right. Ball of options, okay. <laughs> Very dry, arid land that you know. Turn it black and white, and it looks like the moon. So, Greg, do you agree with Jake or conventional wisdom? I would go with the latter. Okay. I don't, you know. I, I, I want it's, it's great for people to disagree. That's with right. That's, that's all I want to know. I, I'm just saying I don't. I don't fully buy in. Nate, go ahead. Well, well, I, I, well, go why ahead. Was the, why is this being asked at the NFL Combine? I guess is my main question. I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know. The first uh, Caleb Williams is at the podium now, and the first question that someone asked him is, "Are you afraid to compete?" Because he's not. He's not out there throwing, and so they're <laughs> on his ass right now. So who knows? Get him. I don't know. No idea. But we it allowed us to. And his, partly, answer you know. is, his answer is, "I don't care about your question or care what you think." Because I'm going to be the number one pick. So there it is. Interview. Okay, so let's. Uh, Nate Bukati, take the reins here. Yeah, before we even get into KU, I'd, I'd just like to see if Greg would like to congratulate his alma mater, Shawnee Mission South, on a big playoff win oh. over Shawnee Mission East. How about that? This pat and they're they're taking on the number one ranked and undefeated team in the state, Shawnee Mission Northwest, oh, tomorrow. Really? So I want to give a I don't know if you want to sh- give some inspirational comments to your Raiders as they try to shock the world with a with a big upset tomorrow. I love hearing it. I don't really follow it very much. I actually heard it from Nate the other night, and uh, uh, I did not know about Shawnee Mission Northwest either. They were undefeated, and they've got, a, I guess, a couple really good players. That, uh, I think they have a seven-footer from a couple of my Pledge Brothers or Northwest Cougars in, in a text chain recently, and that I get pretty focused on college and don't uh, follow high school, but I'm excited to hear about the results because I think my Raiders, Raiders can give them their first loss. Man, wouldn't that be something? Jake, could you, could you find, what's the line between uh, Shawnee Mission South and uh, Northwest, please? Uh, south, a nine-point underdog. Wow, that's not... We are a blended uh, uh, house here at the Gurley House. My wife is a Northwest Cougar, 
and uh, she would have absolutely no idea that they're good, but I don't think there'll be a, a, an argument or a competition, but maybe we'll have a little family bet. Yeah, you're sleeping on the couch tonight, girly. Um, <laughs> Just tonight. Right. <laughs> hey, one more opportunity, and I, know, and I know the answer is yes. Would you like to wish your little buddy a happy birthday? Oh, my gosh. It is? Yeah. Happy birthday! Happy birthday, you tiny little person. That's fantastic. Uh, is there a party? Did I not yeah. get an invite, or what's going on? Come, come to my house tonight. I'm throwing a barbecue. Yeah. It's a soccer barbecue. I would have guessed, would have guessed a little tyke like you would have had it at, like, McDonald's or something. Well, all the bounce houses were yeah. booked up for the weekend, so... Had to settle for a party at the house. And by the way, Shawnee Mission South played Northwest to a pretty good game earlier th- last month, uh, forty-four to thirty-eight. Lost, uh, lost by six. So they, yeah, they can, they can give them something. Crazy when you hear those scores, forty-four yeah. to thirty-eight in a, in a basketball well, game. Now with all the scoring, but yeah, no but shot clock in high school. Report. Stupid. You know, they got a scatter report. Yeah, there you go. You get, you're going to go run those shot clocks for the high schools. Uh, well, that Jake. Actually, Jake brings up a good point. Everybody wants a shot clock, but that you think about what that adds to everyone and expenses and all that. But I do agree you should have it. I, I, basketball is such a weird sport, and the fact that we still, in college, still do halves and every other division and, and, and uh uh, basketball all over the world is quarters, but I don't, I don't get it. But it's what it is. Yeah, even women's basketball in college has gone to quarters. <laughs> and and let me let me agree. I would indeed like Nate Buchanan to run the shot clock. Oh man, I would be on top all of high school basketball games. Do an incredible job. I would, I'd, I'd go to more high school. Well, basketball it, would, <laughs> it would give a non-athlete a, a chance to just be around athletes. I mean, no, that's pretty much what I've done my entire no. career, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> My boy, I, I, I feel bad on his birthday. I should have refrained from that comment. Yeah. I thought about making a comment on the type, the size of couch you would need to sleep on. You know, if you got in trouble tonight, but I backed off, and now I'm now I'm going after it. So, well, uh, for once in your life, for once in your life, you're the bigger man. Yeah. <laughs> now that was a good one. Now that was a good one. That was good. That was good. All right, dude. What what's the deal, man? Is McCullough going to be able to play again this year? And if not, what what happens for KU? I'm a half full guy, so I think he will. I think uh, he will be back, but uh, you know, right now there's just you know, the unknown. We we don't know. It's a it's obviously a, a pain threshold deal, and, uh, and and then there's there's other factors, but we shall see. Um, do we want him to win on Saturday? Of course we do. Do we want him more in March when it really counts? Yes. So. Hopefully that's what we're uh, uh, looking at, that the, the next seven, eight days, we, we, may, we may not see him. This is just me guessing. And then uh, once March, or once Big 12 Tournament of March Madness comes around, then uh, hopefully we see him. But that's, that's simply a guess on my part. You know, Stephen, Greg Gurley's a lot of things. One thing he's never been is half full. <laughs> Here we go. <Yeah. laughs> This is just a real pissing match right now, isn't it? Is that what we're doing here? What? This has been maybe one of the greatest blitzes we, or fast breaks, whatever this damn segment's called yeah, we've ever like had. A, who knows, really? It's like a Comedy Central yeah. roast. Oh, boy, aren't we something? Uh, you and I, somebody has suggested we should go on the road. We can travel. I can sit on your lap and we can tell funny jokes. I'd like to go on the road right now. The home, <laughs> home if I could. 
I'll, I'll, get a, I'll get a motorcycle. I'll get a motorcycle with a sidecar. and just climb in there and we'll ride all over the country. Like, I think we're on to something. Can, can I, this from a personal note, I, I'd pay a good amount of money just to see you on a motorcycle and him in the sidecar. I can wear those little goggles. Yeah, yeah just, you know? just here in the, yeah. in the parking lot. If, if there's anyone that has one that we can make that happen, I don't know, these are some, raise some money for charity. I think we'd all be in on that. <laughs> that you know? sounds like a plan. Right up and down Metcalf, something. All right, so what about yep. playing at Baylor, man? Like This this is a tough game already, and if, if, if there's no McCuller, what's the recipe for KU to, to find a way to win on, in this one? Well, we obviously got to defend the arc. Uh, we, we didn't do a great job of that against BYU, and obviously there were a lot of factors in that loss. And, and then you go to a Baylor team that has athletes. they got guys that can score. You're on the road. Kansas has shown the inability to win on the road with the exception of Indiana, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State. And those aren't exactly looking like world-beater places to win. So, yeah, we got to play a near – not a perfect game, but we gotta we gotta play better. We gotta be able to shoot the ball. I mean, our discrepancy in, in three pointers. Uh, we got outscored by thirty from a three point line against BYU. Now, a lot of teams will get outscored by a lot against BYU, but from that from beyond the arc. But we gotta we gotta somehow figure out how to how to uh, you know get closer in, in that regard in that stat. And, and uh, you know, Johnny Furphy had an off night. Nick Timberlake was one and nine, and then obviously. You got to make our free throws. It's not. It's not a great inside analysis by me. I think it's pretty obvious. They're called free throws, and we just we just handed them so many points by not converting our free throws. So uh, take care of the ball like you always have to on the road. Uh, brand new arena down there. I think the uh, the watching public will be a little frustrated with the camera angles that they've. I guess figured out at Baylor Arena. Or it's almost <laughs> like a drone. It's like very, very high up in the ceiling. So that'll give you a great opportunity to tune into Sports Radio 810 and listen to myself and Brian Haney call the action and paint a picture that is second to none as far as broadcast crews go across the country. So there's our little plug to listen to the the broadcast tomorrow. When uh, when Brian and I were on the the KU women's basketball uh, job together, we we never missed an opportunity to go to George's in uh, Waco. Will you you be stopping by there? A hundred percent. My yes. favorite pregame uh, meal is uh, uh, you know they're called crazy wings. Yeah. But we call them we call them chicken balls, uh, mm-hmm. which I know they're basically like a golf ball size of chicken, if that's possible, stuffed with jalapeno cream cheese wrapped in bacon and then fried a couple times, dipped in some amazing sauce, and it's just like we just just one-biters. They're fantastic. So, yes, I'll be there. Uh, probably early afternoon today I'll be there. There we go. Well, have a chicken ball for me, Greg. Thanks for the time. You know buddy. what I'm going to do? I'm going to take a candle. I'm going to put it in a chicken ball, and I'm going to have the whole group sing happy birthday. <laughs> that would That's just beautiful. make my day. Thank you, Greg. Thanks, boys. Talk to you next week. That is, uh, uh, to be honest with you, I don't know what that was. It's called the Border Patrol Fast Break, but uh, that doesn't do it justice. You think Scott Sharp's really looking forward to following yeah, that, that segment? I think Scott Sharp just got called into another meeting. <laughs> Hello. We'll, uh, <laughs> uh, coming up next, Scott Sharp tells us what he thinks about other planets and the moon on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Welcome back to the Border Patrol on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Stephen St. John... And Nate Birthday Bucati 
along with Jay Gutierrez. Thanks for joining us. It's Friday, March 1st, 2024. Let's talk some baseball with Senior Vice President and Assistant GM Scott Sharp of the Kansas City Royals. Scott, good morning. How are you? I'm well, Stephen. How are you? And I guess happy birthday to Nate. That's awesome. Yeah, how so. about that? <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I feel I feel honored to be on wow. radio on his birthday. You know what? Best present I could have on my birthday is to have you on the show. How about that? <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> I, I think I think there's there's a lot of BS piling up in yeah, the show. Right, yeah, I, 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 sense a lot of, I think a lot of sarcasm in that comment. The, the best part was, uh, I guess, happy birthday. Yeah. Like, you know, hey, you know, the reluctant birthday wish from Scott yeah. Sharp is better than none at all. That's I can right. tell you that right now. That's right. So I mean, uh, the, the, we we could be on for an hour and not be able to talk about everything that's happened with this roster. Mm. In the off season, it was um, even. I think even for the most optimistic Royals fan, it exceeded those expectations. But obviously, the the biggest story was the extension for Bobby Witt Jr. And it's just been amazing because you know, just talking to Royals fans and, and talking to people that love baseball, you know, we were talking about Bobby Witt Jr. But there was always just a little bit of that apprehension that. Yeah, but you know he'll 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 probably leave soon. Or yeah, but you know the Royals will probably have to start talking about trading him pretty soon. And it was so cool to see everyone's reaction to the extension and to be able to say, you know what, he's one of the best players in baseball, and he ain't going anywhere for a while. And now, the, the, you know, not that they weren't already, but Royals fans can really fully embrace him and not have that cloud hanging over their heads about, you know, how long is he going to be here? I just wonder, what, what, what did that do, or what's that do for the entire franchise, the entire organization, to know that the guy that you're trying to build around, that that's, you know, you don't have to worry about that now. He's going to be a royal for the foreseeable future. Well, I think you, you kind of touched on part of it. One, we could just stop talking about it, right? Like, is everybody has talked about it for, you know, uh, you know, a couple months after he debuted or, or probably even before, and, you know, and, and, and we're seeing in the game, you know, teams extending players before they even get to the big league. So, you know, a, a good part of this is we can put it behind us. It's not something that has to leak into spring training or leak into the season. And look, Bobby is a very special player. Anyone that has seen him play can can recognize that. And he continues to get better, and he continues to work hard to get better. Um, you know, players that get extended like this clearly deserve it, but there is not a better human being and a more special player that deserves something like this. I'm happy for him. I'm happy for his family. I'm, I'm clearly happy for the organization and and you know as JJ has mentioned many times we thank ownership for giving us the ability uh to be able to you know just work through this and negotiate through this and get a player like Bobby signed. So you know I think it's um one of the things we talked about this this busy off season going back to last year when we talked to you a lot Scott I felt like last year was such an important year for the Royals from an evaluation standpoint. You told us that JJ told us that and some guys, maybe the evaluation came back. It's time to move in another direction. But I know one of the things you guys had said openly was we want to see, we want this year to know for sure after the year's over, if Bobby Wood Jr. is a shortstop, 
does he defensively improve to the point where we say, yes, he is a shortstop, or should we think about him at another position to maximize what he is? And it seems like he did that with flying colors. I mean, how important was that year last year to evaluate exactly what you had with Bobby Witt now that you're going forward with him? Oh, it was it, it was extremely impactful to be able to have that time to do it. Uh, I think it also shows you the work ethic that Bobby has, and you know, obviously our coaching staff has to work with him because I think Bobby knew that it was a challenge of like, hey, there are some questions about whether people think I can play shortstop. So he went out and you know, as he always does, he 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 learned, he worked. I mean, I, I think I think we all talked about this last year when I was on the show. I, I think. The speed of the game that first year. I mean, he he essentially had played a half a season in AAA, you know, and, and a half a season in AA the year before. The speed of the game in the big leagues is just so. And the balls hit so much harder at you on a consistent basis. Um, you know, so getting used to the speed of the game was was so big for him in that first year, and then knowing it in the second year. So now he he knows he's got to react and anticipate just a half a step sooner. And he just he works so diligently and so hard at those things, um, you know, with Vance Wilson, with Jose Aguasil, and you can see how much better he got. And, and the thing with Bobby is like he's not satisfied with that, right? Like he still is thinking like, okay, you know, all right, maybe my pre-pitch isn't quite where it was good last year, but maybe it can be better. So he's continuing to work at that. I mean, he wants to be you know, the best shortstop in the game. And, and he, he wants to work at that. He doesn't want to just let his athletic ability take him there. He wants to work to get there as well. And so, you, you know, one of the things that is, you know, like a domino effect, Bobby Wood Jr., you know, we see there's no question he's, uh, he's the, the shortstop of the present and the future. But that also solidifies Michael Garcia, He's the third baseman, and that's a kid that we talked about a lot that has a tremendous upside. And he had a you know really interesting off season, you know, watching him and keeping our eyes on him at winter ball. You know, now that he has that solidified, and you guys know what he is moving forward. Tell me a little bit about the, the ball player that you think he can become now that he's he's you know he's he's had his rookie year, he's he's got some experience. And now we know that he's the third baseman, and he's really one of the building blocks for this uh, baseball team moving forward. Well, he, he absolutely is, and I think what it does is it really solidifies that left side of the infield. You know, the thing with Michael is, before last year, he had never played third, and I do believe third base is probably the most difficult infield position to play because the speed of the ball, the reaction, uh, it, it's typically a one to one and a half step. Uh, position on either side of you, um, you know. So he was learning that position, and he was learning it at the major leagues last year as a rookie, and you know, all the other things that you're trying to learn at the major leagues at that level. Um, you know, as a rookie, you know the offensive side, the defensive side. You know, just getting used to playing on a regular basis at that level of competition. I, I think what we saw is that one, he plays with a really slow heartbeat. Um, he doesn't get rattled. He's a really good defender. Uh, he obviously acclimated very well to a position change. And, and I think all of that shows you is that he has tremendous upside at that position. You know, the only thing with Michael is <clears throat> he's going to get stronger. 
he's going to get more mature. You know, he's going to get um, more established. And, and I think, you know, growing alongside of Bobby, I, I think those two players at those two critical positions, you know, makes you extremely hopeful for the future, you know, sort of like solidifying the lineup with those two guys. So speaking of him getting stronger, by the way, he'll be celebrating a birthday in two days. You'll probably be much more excited about that one. <laughs> he uh, he turns 24, though. So, and, and you know, you, you mentioned getting stronger. Players typically in baseball, as, as they get into their mid-20s, they fill out. He, he hasn't had a ton of power in his brief M- MLB career so far. Do you see that something that comes along naturally with him developing? Not that you're expecting him to be a 40-home run guy or something, but just is there is there more pop? in that bat do you think going forward i absolutely think the one thing he has is he has great contact skills and i think over the course of sort of baseball history younger players that make consistent contact as they get older and they get stronger that consistent contact turns into more doubles more home runs more you know more slug Mm um you know that would that was a little bit of not necessarily concern but it was a note when he was in the minor leagues like hey his hard hit rate his contact rates are really good his hard hit rates weren't there but as we saw last year in the big leagues his hard hit rates were really good and i think that you know, that shows his ability to like consistently put, you know, the barrel, the sweet spot, sweet spot of the bat on the ball. Um, and I think as he matures as a hitter, as he understands, like, not only his physical strength, but he understands, like, point of contact and, okay, you know, like, I'm going to try to loft certain balls on certain pitches and my point of contact changes. As he matures as a hitter, you're going to see that, like, naturally, um, you know, the power should naturally come out. The other thing he does really well is he drives the ball to the right center gap. And for me, as, as you see young hitters, I always remember like Haas and Moose, mm-hmm. the really good young hitters that drive the ball to the opposite gap as they get stronger and become more mature hitters and they start to learn to pull the ball. That's when you start to see their power sort of start to take off and flourish. And that uh... – I mean, gosh, I feel like Royals history is littered with guys because in that ballpark, being able to do that is really nice, isn't it? I mean, uh, just because there's so much space out there. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, slug is not just home runs, right? Like, mm-hmm. you, you want extra base hits, you want doubles. You know, he, he does a really good job of, like, splitting those gaps, mostly, like, right center when he's really swinging the bat well. You know, he can drive the ball into the right center gap, and, you know, he he's got a chance to be, you know, like a doubles machine. I mean, you, you can definitely see him sort of in the Alex Gordon 50-double type mold mm-hmm. because yeah, that's sort of the way his his, his swing plays. Scott Sharp is our guest. Um, and another addition to, to to the ball club is is a guy that was already here but missed so much time due to injuries. Vinny Pasquantino, and I, I think, and I think people will see this and be reminded of this how how important I think people forget how important he was and is to that lineup because opposing teams just they have they have to you know pitch everyone differently with Vinny Pasquantino in the middle of that lineup. And they got you know, and it's got to be real careful, you know, with Vinny. That just changes the game plan for the opposition and the opposing pitchers. Um, maybe elaborate on that a little bit. What what he means to the lineup, uh, and, and what he brings, his approach, and what he brings to uh, back to the team now that he's healthy. Well, I think, excuse me, I think you're you're absolutely right. Like we we going into the off season, we viewed Vinny as almost like 
signing another free agent, right? We only had him for a month and a half last year, and we really didn't have him at full strength. So having him back in the lineup and, you know, obviously having his shoulder fixed and, and it, us, you know, the expectation is that, you know, he, he's here for the full season and healthy and, and all of those things that we expect, Um it's it's like adding a free agent in there, and the thing that Vinny does so well is is that bats are so consistent. He has the ability to get on base. He take, he sees a ton of pitches. He doesn't take a ton of pitches in, in terms of like he's not standing there passively, but but he knows what he wants to hit. And you know, just inserting him back in the lineup. I mean, we talk about this a lot. Is like what can we do to lengthen the lineup? You know, there there were times whether it was last year or two years before. It's like you, you hit. Once you hit like past the five hole in the lineup, like six through nine, you know, no offense to the players that were there before, but we're sort of like dead spots in the lineup. It's like, okay, how quick can we turn it back around to, you know, to the leadoff spot? Now, you know, when you start to add in the Hunter Renfro's and the Vinny Vasconvinos and the and the Adam Frazier's, it's like you look at that lineup and you're like, wow, like we're really extended. Like we've pushed that lineup back, you know, to the seven, eight, uh, and almost to the nine hole, depending on how it's lined up on a daily basis, where you feel really good that you know there's balance there's guys that have some power there's guys that take really good at bats like um you know adam frazier and Vinny, where they can work walks they can work on base and and, and you have complementary players you know you got salvi that that you know obviously has a lot of power and then you got Vinny who will see a lot of pitches and work work walks so Inserting Vinny into that around some of the other players that we added just lengthens the lineup out so much. You correct me if I'm wrong on this, Scott, but my perception, too, has been that, that you guys over the last few years have almost had to choose sometimes between lengthening the lineup and getting a little better offensively and taking a huge step back defensively if you did that, or getting your best defensive players out there, and now you've got some dead spots in the lineup. Do you feel like you've got a better combination of having that great defense out on the field while lengthening the lineup at the same time this year? Well, first of all, it's your birthday, so I would never correct you <laughs> wrong on your birthday. But, um, no, look, I, look I, I think when you're – there are only so many players in the big leagues that are like really good on both sides right. of the ball. But, right, right. You know, you're, you're, you're sort of shooting for, you know, our target was, you know, versatility, athleticism, uh, guys that can get on base. Now, again, like those things are, are hard to find all in one player, but we do feel like we have a better balance of guys that um, if they have all offensive attributes, they are also, you know, good enough defenders that you don't feel like you're, you're losing out too much on on defense by by inserting them in the lineup again you know i think i think the plan overall in the off season was versatility um you know defense minded um but balance as a whole in terms of the type of roster we were building another guy that I, boy i'm i'm really interested to see uh what he does this year is, is Nelson Velasquez uh, i mean you just can't ignore the raw power. I mean, I mean, seventeen home runs in one hundred and sixty-two at bats, and fourteen of those, you know, came for the Royals in one hundred and thirty-three at bats. And you guys trade Jose Quas for him, and you know, I view Quas as you know a six-inning guy, good reliever. But when you have a chance to to trade that type of player for somebody that has the, the right-handed power upside of Velasquez, you jump on it. So I'm just curious what what you think. 
he can become in a in a you know if if he indeed earns the job and 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 becomes you know maybe the primary DH and gets a, a full season of, of at bats. What's his upside once he gets regular playing time? Well, look, I was as impressed as you were um, once we got him and saw, you know, I didn't know a ton about him. I mean, I think our pro scouting department did a great job identifying sort of the right-handed power aspect of of him in in a system, you know, with the Cubs at the time is maybe he was a a little bit buried. Um, The raw power is as good as any player I've ever seen. I mean, it's tremendous. I mean, just the BP, what he did once he came over, um, you know, he hits the ball so hard. I mean, his exit velocities are so high, it's incredible. Um, you know, look, I, I think as he matures as a hitter and becomes more consistent and that power continues to play, you know, um, provided he continues to stay disciplined at the plate and he adjusts, you know, as pitchers adjust to him, you know, I, I really think that, you know, that the power is undeniable and it plays at the major league level. He can miss hit balls and get them out of the ballpark. Um, you know, I just think, you know, with Nelson, you know, he just needs to, he, the league will, will now adjust to him and let's see how he adjusts back to the league. He's had some pretty good at bats here in spring training. I mean, it's early, um, you know, so obviously everybody's still getting used to live pitching, but, um, you know, he's continuing to, to swing the bat. He's aggressive. He likes to play the game. He is, he is a better defender than I think most people want to give him credit for because he, you know, they just look at him and be like, oh, wow, that guy can be a DH. And he can. But, you know, he was pretty good in right field, um, you know, after the acquisition. Uh, he moves to the ball pretty well. Obviously, he's a larger person, so he, he's not as, you know, fleet of foot, if you will, as, as Drew Waters or Kyle Isbell. But his angles are pretty good. His arm strength's really good. So, so he is a very, uh, you know, he's a quality major league outfielder as well. Didn't really even scratch the surface. We got so many yeah. things to talk about with you, and hopefully, uh, we can get a chance to to do that on a regular basis again this season. But as always, Scott, we appreciate your time. Uh, we 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 appreciate you and your heartfelt sentiment to Nate Picadie on his birthday, and uh, we hopefully we can talk to you again real soon. Absolutely, Stephen. Thank you. Thanks, Nate. Appreciate it very much. Thank you. That's uh, Scott Sharp. So, yeah, this. We're gonna have a lot to talk about with Scott. I mean, you, like I, mean, I said, we, it could have been an hour. Yeah, we didn't talk about the starting pitchers. We didn't talk about the new bullpen. You know, but again, like just look at, I mean, Velasquez. Like he said, that now the league's gonna adjust to him, and he's got to make those adjustments. But I mean, good God, when, when he came over, you know, five seventy nine slug percentage for the for the Royals. 14 homers in 40 games. You know, well, that that woke Jake up. I mean, he had 14 homers and 133 bats for the Royals. And even though his batting average and on-base were low, his slugging percentage was so high, he still had an 888 OPS last year. And so, and again, that's a perfect example of the kind of trades I like for the, I want them to make. You got Jose Quas, who's got a live arm, but to me, he's a six inning guy. And look, there's nothing wrong with that, right? Yeah. He's 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 not you know he's not the guy in the bullpen. He's a guy in the bullpen. But if you could trade that type of player 
for the guy with the massive power potential of Nelson Velasquez and just take a shot that he figures it out and you end up with a 30 or 35 home run guy, make those trades all day freaking long. That's what you do with relievers. Right. So circle that one and see how that works out. Or as Jake would like to say, put that in your pipe and smoke it. Back after this on WHB.